Good morning, my friends out there in Scrimpticville. Good morning to the Blimbacks. Good morning to the Frogliac folk and the Dingus and the Skrink. Good morning to the Wookiee people who are mocking me up there in the mountains. They mock me, they laugh, they say, ha ha, fat ginger man, fat ginger man has fallen. It is December the 23rd, 2022, in the time and the age and the spirit of Bo Blimp Doc, brothers and sisters, and I have an update. Um, Monday, Monday I woke up in a pretty fucking shitty mood. I ended up emailing a friend of mine and saying, can you loan me? Well, that's not true. Can you give me 20 bucks? I took those 20 bucks, and, and let me back up a bit. The reason, you know, I asked for the loan, and my bank rejected it. And PayPal kind of fucked it up. And I got really, really angry about bank transactions and being poor. And, you know, the whole Kubler-Ross stages of grieving thing. You know when you just can't get over how shit's never going to be like it once was? So, yeah, back it up a bit, Dan. Tell the whole story. So I was kind of angry. I, I, I got my 20 bucks eventually from my friend here in Utah, and I left a message with my bank, and they said, everything's fine. Everything's fine in concritus. All your fluidic motions will be transceived. When the time comes, we'll extract your liver juice. But, you know, I got my 20 bucks. And I went to the Maverick, and I got a six-pack of natural light... And I brought the beer back here, and I listened to music, and I vaped some weed. And the temperature outside dropped to about three degrees. And there was some snow on the ground that had partially melted, and it was cold as fuck, but I was still kind of angry. And I go upstairs, and I pet the dog, and I mutter about, about how I'm going to walk to Davis to go get some potato chips. And so I, I go out the door. And again, you know, I've experienced cold temperature before. I don't want to go into whether this current cold is really cold. And I'm not sure whether I want to go into the question of how real it is. Um, one of the things that Dane Wigington has mentioned in recent years, and if you don't know who Dane Wigington is, he is the founder of the website geoengineeringwatch.org. He has been a watchdog with respect to geoengineering or climate engineering, or sometimes called weather engineering. He's been a watchdog for more than a decade. And I came across him in 2015 when I started noticing stuff in the skies over Indianapolis that looked kind of funky. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. The explanations didn't make a lot of sense. Oh, it's contrails, Dan. Can't you tell it's just the contrails? Just contrails. Just contrails. You know. And um, one of the things he mentions when he talks about the materials they use for geoengineering is that one of the materials they use are surfactants. And surfactants are basically materials that go into soaps. One of the, the impacts of surfactants mixed with these agents, especially the chemical ice nucleation agents, the endothermic agents like barium and urea, is that you end up with ice, but you end up with a very slippery kind of ice. So here I am sitting at home 
not quite that drunk. I was a little buzzed still. I had a little bit of weed in me. It was three degrees Fahrenheit outside, but I really, really, really needed to get my Lay's wavy potato chips. And so I go there. And the first hundred feet, the rational part of my brain was saying, Dan, I know it's just like a quarter of a mile, um, but maybe you should turn back because it's pretty fucking cold and you're already shaking pretty bad. And that's just not, that's generally when it comes to exposure, not a good sign. You don't really have good cold weather equipment. Just go back home. You can even maybe beg your friend to take you someplace, but just get back home and, and, you know, play it safe. But the other side of my brain, the side of my brain that sometimes dreams of juggling dynamite, the side of my brain that doesn't always work the way it should work when it comes to making proper decisions, it said it wanted potato chips. And I thought, you know what? I'm not dead yet. You should live life to your fullest. If you want some fucking potato chips, go get some potato chips. It's no big deal. So I get pretty close to the street I need to cross before I get to the parking lot to the grocery store. And I'm crossing a a small street, and there's some black ice, and I don't know. I remember noticing it as I was crossing that little street, and I remember thinking, you know, this is ridiculous. There's no way I would slip and fall on something like that. And I'm shaking, and I step on the ice, and it's dark out. And I basically do what would amount to a disastrous pirouette. My shoulder gets hijacked into a nasty kind of baton maneuver, like the swinging of a bat. Imagine my body's a bat. Imagine that gravity is the person holding the bat. And my shoulder is the tip of the bat that would hit the ball. But instead of hitting the ball, my left arm and shoulder hit the curb. And if you're wondering what the effects of this are, and you're listening to my podcast, I was able to renew my website until June of 2023, Bo So the notes that are available for this podcast include a picture. They include a picture of me all happy and joyful after my second or third shot of Stilladen at the ER. But it also includes a picture my friend took of the x-ray because he just thought it was really cool. And, you know, I agree with him. He's a pretty cool dude. You know, he's one of these outdoors kind of guys and... Um, I think he thought, holy crap, that's pretty cool. When I took a look at it, it kind of made me sick to my stomach. Um, so I slipped and fall, I slipped and fell. And I was on that sidewalk there in the cold for about five minutes. And during those five minutes, maybe it was 10, I lost track of time. I was freaking out. I was freaking out because my left arm felt like it was dangling there. Um, it kind of reminds me of this <laughs> this Jerky Boys. If you don't know who the Jerky Boys were, they did these prank calls back in the 90s when that was still kind of a thing to do. And there's this one about this Saul Rosenberg and my foot's just dangling there. Well, my arm, my left arm was just dangling there. And I didn't think I could get up. I didn't think I could go anywhere. I didn't think I could get back on my feet. And and it wasn't far from a local restaurant. And there were cars still kind of going by. And I tried to wave and say, you know, somebody help me. You know, I tried to, as loudly as I could speak, even though I was shivering and probably in shock, And if you don't know anything about shock, let's cover that as a topic. Shock can occur when you suffer a severe injury. You know, breaking your humerus and your left arm isn't the worst injury ever, but it's a pretty enough, severe enough injury. And especially if it had been worse, like if a bone had been sticking out, 
it's very likely you could go into shock. A bad combo plate with shock is extreme cold. So if you have someone going into shock, your body will pull the blood to the core. Uh, try to, you know, it's, it's a survival strategy your body implements. The problem is you need blood on your, you know, limbs, like your arms and your legs to do things. And even though my left arm was useless at this point, I still needed to be able to get up and walk someplace because I sat there. I sat there in the cold trying to see if somebody would help me. And again, folks, I'm not beating up on people or where I'm living in Utah. It's, it's been a blessing, even with this broken arm, maybe especially because of this broken arm. It's been a real blessing to be here. It's been a blessing to be around the folks that are here. It's been a, a blessing because I've had peace here. And... and I don't, you know, maybe towards the end of this podcast, we'll talk about the whys and the wherefores, but yeah, I sat there in the cold and I tried to wave somebody down, but these are not good days for some random dude who looks like a homeless person to wave his arms about and say, help me. These are not good days for scary old dudes to seek help. I was out and about in Seattle and I think it was the summer of 2019 and this is a few months before the monkey herpes, many months before the race war, more than a year before the great Ukrainian World War III conflict, before the psyops went into full gear. And there was this homeless dude, this old homeless guy, leaned up against a tree because it was one of those really hot days. We now, well, I'm not in Seattle any longer, but you now get in Seattle, days that don't really match the reality of when we were kids there. And he probably had a heart attack. And it looked like a, a lot of people had walked by. I wasn't going to walk by as I walked up. You know, an ambulance showed up and I said, okay, you can back off of being or attempting to be a good Samaritan, Dan. But it also occurred to me that at my age in my life and my situation and the kind of clothes I generally wear, if I was sort of dying by the side of the road, somebody would just assume I was a homeless dude. You know, just some random homeless guy. You know, do you help him? Do you provide support? And by the way, in a few minutes, if the heater comes on, the room I'm in right now is the only room I can get up and sort of maneuver around in because I got to sleep on the couch sitting down. I don't have the cast on yet. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And if I didn't give you the time, it's not just it's Friday, December the 23rd, but it's just after 5 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Woohoo, great state of Utah. Um, I can't blame people for not stopping. I can't say that I sat there long enough to even do a proper sample. I was sitting on my ass. I mean, it's not like my profile was that great. My clothes were kind of dark, and it was a dark, cold night, and I did look kind of like a scary old homeless person, so who would want to, like, help me? I can't really hold that against anyone, and I'm being serious. I'm not being facetious or sarcastic. These are not the days they used to be. I mean, it would be great to imagine a Norman Rockwell world where people are hyper-alert to somebody in need, but maybe that world was never real to begin with. So I sit there for five or ten minutes in the cold, and... Yeah, if I had sat there too long, I will just tell you, knowing what I know about shock, I could have died. I could have died. It would have been a choice. It would have been a choice of not getting up. The thing is, in the last year or so, I've had some pretty dark thoughts about what I would do if I was ever close to the end. You know, I about 10 years ago, I, you know, my sister Nancy... And I have other siblings, and she was also their sister. I have to add this existential boilerplate now anytime I talk about this. But my sister Nancy died of cancer. And um, at the time, you know, it, it was pretty obvious to me because I'd seen my mom go through it. You know, stage four cancer is pretty brutal. And I thought to myself, I don't want to go through that. I mean, I can understand if I had, like, kids and a wife. Um, 
although technically I was still married, you know, in 2012, but I didn't have kids. And I thought, you know, if it came down to it and somebody said you had stage four cancer, I don't know. I don't think I'd get the chemo. I don't think I'd get the radiation. But what do you do about a broken arm? I mean, you know, this is a a bit of a rant and off topic, but I was talking to my other friend here yesterday and saying when I was a kid back in the 70s, way back when, when I was a kid back in the 70s, when I was a kid way back when, back there in the 70s, when I was a kid, I was fed, you know, by the mass media a lot of technological, techno-utopian bullshit. And we all were, were. It wasn't just me. It wasn't personal. We were told a lot of things about the future. And one of the things I kind of assumed about the future is that when it came to things like broken bones, that they would have a more advanced way of dealing with it. Because, hey, it's 2022. If you'd asked me, Dan, you know, 45 years from now, how will they deal with broken bones? And I just walked out of seeing the Star Wars movie. I'd probably say, holy crap, you know what? They'll probably have some type of injection or some type of ray that they shoot you with and your bone just heals. Of course, that's the naive, childish thoughts you have when you're five or six or seven years old. But that was what I thought in part because that is what I was fed. It's a lot like the fusion bad penny. The fusion thing. Once or twice a year, as long as I can remember, we were told fusion energy's almost here. Fusion energy's almost here. Almost fusion energy. And going back to where I was a kid, it was like in 10 years we'll be on Mars. In 10 years we'll be traveling around the solar system. These were things we were told. I'm not saying that there's some dark, evil, cabal conspiracy behind feeding us this bullshit. I kind of think there is, but that's not really the point. The truth is, they deal with bones today in a slightly more advanced way than they did 100 years ago, or even 1,000 years ago. You, you try to reset the bone, you try to keep it straight while it's healing, and then you just have to stay immobile and let it heal. And if you have the luxury of not moving, of being able to sit on your butt and not go anywhere, then your bones can heal. But if you're a poor person living 100, 200, 300 years ago, you, n- you didn't necessarily have that luxury. So maybe you bound it up. Maybe you bound it up so tight that when the bone finally did heal, you had other problems. Maybe it ended up healing wrong. Maybe you ended up limping your whole life. So I don't want to complain too much. I mean, this isn't really the same standard of care that a person like me would have gotten 100 years ago. So I got off my butt and I walked back home. It wasn't that far. My left arm was swinging about. That was pretty disconcerting. I, I got to tell you, to be able to feel your fingers but not have any control over your left arm, but you can still feel it dangling there, it's not a comfortable feeling. I can't say it was really, really super painful. It was mostly just uncomfortable, which I got to be thankful for, right? Because I've seen people do break bones like this. And the bones will stick out through the flesh and shit. That's pretty fucking grody. I should probably be thankful that didn't happen, you know? I should definitely be thankful that three or four year, four days later, um, which is today, which is Friday, I was able to grab my microphone and set it up and set up enough equipment to do a podcast to say, hey guys, guess what happened to me? I'm not too happy about the harmonica, but... As a one-eyed, you know, robot, symbiont, freakzoid, there's not much I can do with a keyboard right now. I got my Casio, but motherfucker, man, that thing. It's like, I turn it on, and I, I shouldn't even turn it on. It's just pointless, you know. Yeah, it's not really, there's just no point to the fucking Casio in a lot of ways, you know? I don't know. Anyways, here comes the heater. Here comes the heater. 
that's enough of that. And like I said, this is a, I, I have a pretty decent recorder, so usually it filters out ambient noise pretty good. But when the heater does start blowing in this room, it's loud enough that you can hear it. So I just wanted to make a point when it comes on. Here it comes. And almost here. And yeah, maybe it's almost there anyways. So I get up and I walk back home. Um, oh yeah, here it comes. You know, That's loud enough. I don't know if you can tell, but... Usually, you know, I, I don't really try to filter out the heater noise for lots of different reasons. One main reason is that this recorder is decent enough. It doesn't have a lot of issues filtering out noise as long as you keep the directional mics pointed in the right direction, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit distracting because, you know, I've already got a couple of distractions to include this really grotesque looking broken bone if you look at the picture in the notes it looks bad when i saw it like i said i got a little sick to my stomach because i said fuck and by the way just so you have context i've never broken a bone like this before the last time i broke a bone and the only time i broke a bone before this was 1987 and i was playing football my senior year in high school and i break my wrist bone and I really didn't even break it. I fractured it. I, I bent it a little. This is, this is really a classic break. And, you know, the doctor was kind of hopeful. He said, oh, yeah, four to six weeks, it, you know, you take the cast off, you do a little bit of blah, 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 physical therapy, it'll be okay. And I got to believe that he was telling the truth. But you all know my comfort level with the expertise of the contemporary healthcare system. So... I don't know. I don't know. I got back to the house and I walked back. And when I walked in, the only thing I could say was, because I felt ashamed. By the way, one of the things I felt after this happened was a lot of shame. Because, and it's funny, my next podcast, I had a quote from Dr. Freckles. And I, and I might as well mention it, but you know, the thing I fear the most isn't death. And, and perhaps the closest second runner to the thing I fear the most is a painful death. But the thing I fear, fear the most is to be a burden. To be a burden to people, you, you know, especially to people I care about, especially to people that I love. And the people that I live with here I would call them more than family, excuse me, more than friends. I'd call them family. You know, I'd call, you know, the woman here that's, you know, my friend's girlfriend, my sister. And I'd call my friend here, my brother. That's how I feel about it. They've been that kind. And so one of the thoughts I had just coming back to the house was, I'm such a shithead. I didn't need those fucking potato chips. I didn't need to walk to the grocery store that, you know, Monday night. I didn't need to let a stupid banking transaction make me so pissed off that I basically went through that whole day just not giving a shit. So fuck it if I walk on some slick ice. Fuck it if I fall backwards and break my arm. Was this kind of a one in a million type thing? Yeah. If I'd slipped and fell about anywhere else on that walk, I might have gotten scratched up. I might have gotten a bruise, but I probably would have been fine. But it was that one spot, almost perfect, where I could hit my arm exactly on the curb as I swung down. My friend took a look at it, probably marveled at it. I would have too. He immediately sort of let people know, I'm taking Dan to the emergency room. And, you know, we kind of got going. Yeah, he got the truck warmed up. We got into the truck. We drove to the emergency room, which, which wasn't that far away. But even though it wasn't far away, every bump, everything along the way just kind of felt painful. It felt painful walking into the ER. It felt painful explaining why I was there. You know, I had a jacket, a heavy jacket on 
that we obviously didn't take off, so maybe the nurse at the nurse station didn't quite get it, but my left arm's just sort of dangling there. My left arm is just sort of there, it's just dangling. If some dog came along right now and wanted snossages, he could just get up there and grab and twist like a fucking crocodile, and he'd had snossages imbued with THC. With a hint of natural light beer. I was at the ER for a while, not that long though. It really wasn't busy. Um, they stick me on an ER type inclining chair. There's a picture of it there. They take their x rays with their mobile x ray machine. My friend marvels as i said at the at the <laughs> at the break and takes a picture on his phone that's how i got the picture for the blog um and then they explained to me the deal the deal is they can't put a cast on i mean i guess the good news was i didn't need surgery which i mean is great news i didn't want surgery i spent my first night in a hospital this year and again that was for some mysterious falling illness that i I don't know what caused it, to be honest with you. I, it could have been, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it was probably an autoimmune event, but I really don't know. I know I have people in my life who really got suckered by the COVID psyop, and they'd say, well, Dan, it was the Omicron 27. It makes you fall over. I don't know. I, I don't think we're being told the truth is all I really know. But... They took, the t they took the x-rays, they explained to me that they couldn't put a cast on until Tuesday or Monday or whatever, and um, they wrapped it up, they immobilized it as much as they could. And, you know, it's Friday, December the 23rd, this happened on Monday, and to be honest with you, it, it's already feeling a lot better. Um, they gave me one fill of the hydrocodone i kind of wish they gave me two we call i tried to call in yesterday and to see if they'd give me a refill but they didn't give me any refills just one prescription for one bottle of 20 pills of hydrocodone and i'll be honest with you i think they were stingy you know really stingy on the hydrocodone Yeah, I think they're really stingy on the hydrocodone. Um, this fucking harmonica. I don't know if that's going to work out. But like I said, until I get my left arm back, I'm not really going to be on the keyboard. I'll, I'll tell you the truth about it. It ain't going to work out too good. And there goes the heater, and that's good news too. So they wrap up my arm. They give me my prescription. They give me some pills to take home. Um, and I head back home and yeah, Monday night was pretty bad. It wasn't horrible, but it was pretty bad. Mostly getting up and sitting down because my arm kept wanting to readjust itself. And as you can tell from that fancy picture, that readjustment process was not in the least comfortable. That's a nice way of putting it. Not at all comfortable. And since then, other than just sort of just trying to not move, um, I've been trying to just sort of, as I've had a, well, I've had a bad habit of doing in recent years, I've been trying to put meaning into it, into, into Monday. And, you know, maybe there is a classical reason why everybody hates Monday. It was definitely a Monday kind of thing to break your arm. But wasn't, but what wasn't really normal, what wasn't really typical, or I'd say something most people would necessarily get, was this feeling when I was sitting on the sidewalk that maybe I should just stay there. And brothers and sisters understand this. I don't want to die. I, I, have, I have a lot of things in this life right now that I enjoy. I had a day Monday where I got kind of upset about stupid shit. People do. The reason why I got even more upset in some ways is because I was trying to tell people in 2019 
when the great discontinuity comes along, it's better to be in a state of mind to welcome happy surprises than to get all morbid over disappointments. I, I told people this, and I think it's basically true. If you focus on disappointments at, the, at this moment in history, I think life's going to be a lot rougher. But if you kind of like just wait for those happy surprises, holy shit, the cottage cheese doesn't look like some sort of bleached out runny snot. Holy crap, that was a good cheeseburger. Oh my God, I got a dozen eggs for three bucks. These are things that can and do still happen. But if you sort of focus on the disappointments, oh my God, the restaurant was shit, or oh my God, that dude I hired to work on my fireplace fucked it up. If you focus on the things that don't go right, you're going to have a miserable, miserable couple of years, I'd say, and it's not going to get any easier. I sat there on the sidewalk wondering if I should get up, not because I didn't want to live, but because I didn't want to be a burden. But the truth is, I have people in my life here in Utah, in other places, in Florida, in Seattle, you know, Washington State, so to speak. Um, I've got friends in Alabama. I got friends in many different kinds of places around this country. The, the truth is, all these folks, especially you listeners, you do care. I, it's not that I didn't know this. It's just I couldn't really accept it. I couldn't accept this idea that it was better for me just to walk a quarter of a mile for a broken bone. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat shit. I'm not going to tell you there's some deep revelation here that changes my perspective. What it does is sharpen my perspective. And also what it does is it kind of is a slap in the face reminder that not only am I not in this alone, but there are people that actually do care, you know? I'm not going to, you know, dance around the fact that my relationship with my immediate family is not so great right now, mostly due to the monkey herpes, mostly due to the COVID, mostly due to all the fear that surrounded that. And I can't have any decent conversations right now with people that participated in a campaign that harmed a lot of folks, the lie the deception, the propaganda, the military psychological warfare harmed millions of people, killed millions of people. I don't know that the monkey herpes did much of anything, but the deceit and the lying, the destruction of small businesses, the covering up vis-a-vis the coffee filter of child abuse, I can keep going, and it gets miserable to talk about it, and it's not over. That's the other thing that happened when I got back from my Thanksgiving trip and I brought back whatever grumuli people were growing in their mouth cavities because they loved their little bioweapons coffee filter factory. Yeah, I, I pondered the idea that I saw people putting one and two masks on their kids still. And I shouldn't say masks. I'm going to call it what it is, coffee filters. Wearing one or two coffee filters themselves and putting one or two coffee filters on their kids In some cases, they're toddlers. It's not over. And the reason why it's not over is because people need the lesser catastrophe. They need to believe in the monkey herpes. They need to believe they can order a test over the internet. They can get a shot from their doctor. They can take the horse dewormer and everything's going to be okay. And I don't think any of this so far has been that real. Not that people haven't been killed and murdered. Of course they have. You know, it's a well-known idea on the Planetary Status Report that every great American psyop is also a snuff flick. So yeah, people have been killed. You know, old people in rest homes and whatnot. But for the most part, it's been 100% bullshit. It's been a way for hospital systems to cover up preventable hospital-acquired infections so they don't get sued. It's been a way for them to make a little bit of money on the side by saying, oh boy, another COVID death. But it's been bullshit. I sat on that sidewalk in part because I was afraid of being a burden. I sat on that sidewalk in part because the last few months, um, especially after going trying to go back home for Thanksgiving, 
I've kind of thrown up my arms and just said to myself, what's the fucking point, you know? I love what life I can carve out here in Utah. I don't really have a great way of making any money right now, especially with this injury. But overall, I'd say I've been happy here. So it's not about the being happy. It's like it's like you get to the point in a situation where you ask yourself, Will any additional effort on my part change anything? Does my sticking around impact anything? If I just sit here on the sidewalk and let shock and three degrees Fahrenheit take over, wouldn't that be just the same as waiting a year or two and being eaten by a cannibal? And yeah, these are dark, crazy thoughts. You'd say to yourself, Dan, how can you be so crazy? I saw this this news program. I, I read this article. They're telling me in a couple of days or a couple months or maybe a year or two, we're all going to be living on moon, having moon sex. We'll all have condos on the moon. We'll be heading to Mars at the speed of light. We'll be traveling in super rocket ships with Elon Musk drinking space champagne. We'll be living amongst the star people, eating the chocolate of the cosmos, and, you know, giving each other all kinds of space-time rim jobs. You need dark matter for that. You open up a singularity in their crack. Yeah. And I don't think any of those things are going to happen, but a lot of people, that's what they believe right now. And perhaps right up until the moment that history changes, that the ground shifts, right up to the moment of the cataclysm, whatever it is, people are going to believe this other reality. It's a natural kind of phenomenon. Doesn't mean it's healthy, doesn't mean it's functional, but it's kind of expected. Um, it's our version, I think, you know, of dogs barking before an earthquake. I, I think humans going into what I would call hyper-denial syndrome, that's us. That's the dogs barking. And Seattle was 100% that, what little I saw of it, the few people I saw. The airport was 100% that, as much as I wanted to stomach it. And, you know, when you do walk around amongst a lot of people not really people I like to associate with, but a lot of random people. Everyone has their escape hatch. Everyone has their lesser catastrophe. Everyone has their yes, but somehow. Even if it is that they've just given up. You know, I, I interviewed a fellow right at the time the monkey herpes started. I don't like to mention his name because I don't want to give him any press, but he's well known. And, and he's well-known in part because he's recommended something called planetary hospice, you know. He's recommended planetary hospice. He's recommended people just kind of give up and wait to die. And he, and he tries to put a hopeful spin on it and say, well, we've just got to accept who we are and where we're at. But to me, it seems, you know... Uh, Mr. Man, Mr. Ex-Professor, Mr. Pseudo-Anarchist, were we ever really given a chance to try? I mean, if we're being lied to, and, and this is what I believe, if we're being lied to about the shit that's going on, were we ever given an opportunity to try? Were we ever given a chance to come up with a solution? What I see is the picture of a situation where we were shepherded and directed towards something, could be doom, might not be doom, but what is basically true is we were never told about the destination, historically speaking. So everyone I've come across has some type of easy exit strategy to include the ultimate easy exit strategy of just giving up. And if you listen to my podcast, you might think, well, Dan... You know, what about you? But I think the people that listen to my podcast know that I don't ever, ever recommend giving up. I recommend being a bit wise to the situation, 
But the reality is, for all my cynicism and all my pessimism, I'm an idealist. And, and I don't want to give up on my dream, which is to live in a free world. In part because I feel like I was promised that as a birthright when I was a kid, like you were born in a free country. That's what they told me, along with the, the tales of traveling to Mars, along with the stories of having space rim jobs, I was told that this was a free country, that this was the land of the free and the home of the brave. And ever since I figured out that that was pretty much mostly bullshit, I've been looking for that place. Somewhere out there, somewhere on the horizon, maybe hidden in a cave, maybe it is Galt's Galt, someplace in the Rockies, but somewhere on planet Earth, there's a free country. I, I sat on that sidewalk in part because even though I still loved life, and even though I still had reasons for joy, and even though I still have plenty of people here in Utah and other places that care about me, I sat on that sidewalk because I came close to just throwing it in, throwing up my arms. Guess, technically speaking, giving up. Not giving up on myself so much. I didn't want the broken arm, but just giving up on the idea that that broken arm, you know, that broken arm getting better wasn't going to change shit, wasn't going to impact anything. I might as well just, you know, this could be the moment I go away. You know, dying in the cold, <laughs> dying in the cold is not the worst way to go. There are lots of horrible ways to die. Freezing to death is not the worst. You, you know, it doesn't take that long and you just sort of drift off into your own space in your head. Is any form of death painless? No. So I guess if I were to try to clarify this, I hadn't given up on myself and I really didn't think I'd given up on my friends, but I feel like I came really close Monday night to giving up on the human race. Like this whole human contest, this human adventure, this drama. You know, the everything you read about in the book of Ecclesiastes. I was just tired. And then it started to kick in that there were those dogs and, you know, Boomer specifically. And the fact that I cared about that dog. And I cared about the fact that I wouldn't be able to take him on walks for a while. You know, I was sick, I was sick a couple weeks ago. A really bad flu. Not the monkey herpes, not anything else. Just a bad flu that some bozo was cooking in their mouth with their coffee filter for the last couple of years. Um... But I thought about Boomer. I thought about that dog. I thought about the other dogs too and how it isn't just that I enjoy walking them, but I enjoy the fact that they care. Yeah, they're not people. They don't see the world the same way we do. But the fact that they care, that when I'm walking up the stairs in the morning, there's always Shaggy and Boomer there to greet me. He's like, why aren't you already taking us out the door? And there's something powerful about that. You know, many people in the world of philosophy have remarked on this idea that causality might be inverted, that A causing B might not be exactly what we think it is. In some ways, I'm not always sure if I wake up to go upstairs or if the dogs being there kind of attracts me to go upstairs. But the point is, it's part of that dance of existence, part of what gives us a reason to be here. I guess one of the things that tipped the ledger when I was sitting on that sidewalk deciding whether or not to try to get up was the fact that, yeah, Boomer would be very disappointed in me. It sounds stupid, sounds small, sounds irrelevant, a cliche, banal, all that, everything that you would think, what's the point of that dumb story? But it was this idea that there was this dog that had been abused as a puppy by people trying to train it to be a fighting dog that was saved by my friends here, just like they saved me, and that would honestly, definitely be sad and bothered if I couldn't be back here with him, even if I was just sitting on the couch, even if all I could do for a few weeks was just pat him on the head a little. So that was one of the reasons why I got off that sidewalk. Um, and this may all seem cringy to some of you. You know, I'm 
giving this data dump because I want to provide more context to the limited information I provided via email. So people can say, okay, now I understand. You were just a drunk, fat Irishman who broke his arm. That's, yeah, nobody needs to know about that. That happens every other day in Dublin. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't really want to talk about much else because I'm not in the mood. Um, I am getting better, but as you can imagine, looking at that picture, your attitude gets impacted. And I don't want to leave it on the note of I almost gave up. The last few months, I've had a hard time praying. And really, to some extent, the last year or so, I've gone through periods of time where I haven't been praying enough, where I haven't really been having that discourse with the Lord. And it's not because I'm angry at the Lord. Maybe this is what, maybe this is how it all ties together. I felt ashamed that I broke my arm. Why would I feel ashamed? I didn't plan it. I didn't want it. Yeah, Monday I was in a shitty mood, but that didn't have anything to do with slipping on some ice. And it didn't have anything to do with slipping on that one patch of ice at that one particular moment where I would happen to hit the curb. And it was one of these curbs that had the reinforced metal strip. And I just happened to hit it with the right amount of force at that right moment. My being pissed off that day about bank transactions and censorship had zero to do with my breaking my arm. Zero to do with it, with breaking my arm. But I felt ashamed. And in the last couple of years, I felt ashamed when I speak to Jesus because I don't have a great plan right now that I can come up with for making this all work. Like if you were to say to me, Dan, what do you think you're going to be doing next year? I'll tell you what I will be doing next year. I'll be staying alive. I'll be circling the drain. I'll be treading water. I'll be doing what a lot of people will be doing. I'll be doing what I was doing last year. What will I be doing in my faith journey with Christ? I hope and I pray that I can do more service to my fellow Christians vis-a-vis -vis the podcast, but I can't just hook up the microphone and read the Bible and pretend. The Lord knows when I'm sincere. So, so sincere. So do my listeners. My listeners know when I'm dialing it in, when I'm just sending it in, when I'm not really caring, when it's just, you know, phoning it in. They know when I'm not really committed. You guys aren't stupid. I can't just pretend to do this before the Lord and before my fellow Christians. So what is my plan, right? What is your plan for 2023? Maybe that's part of it too. Maybe that's why slipping on some ice and breaking your arm might be a useful thing for me. I don't really like it. I don't really have any money to pay any bills. I don't have health insurance. I'm kind of hopeful as a veteran that something about me having been a veteran or being a veteran will help me take care of this bill. But at the same time, I truly don't fucking care. I don't particularly like hospitals. I'm happy that they can help me with a broken bone, but I don't really care about hospitals. That's also true. It kind of pisses me off that they only filled one prescription of the hydrocodone, not because I'm a pill addict, but because, you know, look at the picture. You know, it's still very uncomfortable. I'm kind of scared that between now and Tuesday, I'm going to do something and there'll be no way to get any kind of help with that. And, you know, scared, you know, you might say, well, Dan, buck up. Everybody's got to deal with broken bones and shit. I understand that. But if you're going to tell me to buck up, understand this, you know, say buck up butter, buttercup. I won't take the criticism from people any longer about me trying to explain what's going on and what's happening. And then somebody saying, why do you have to be so hard, Dan? Why can't you sugarcoat it? Why can't you make it seem like we're going to magically flip our homes to Mars? 
I think there are people in Seattle that believe that they will flip enough homes to get to Mars. It sounds absurd. It sounds crazy. But that's kind of how their brains work. And I'm not going to reinforce that bullshit. So maybe, yeah, maybe the, those, that's a bi-directional relationship. If you want to tell me to get over it and not worry about pain management with this broken bone, then I'll say to you, brothers and sisters, if you're out there in Seattle, get over it. If you think the worst thing you're going to face in the next year is the price of your home going down, then you are nowhere near you need to be. And I'd add this too about Monday because this relates back to 2019. You know, I talked about in 2019 where people were vis-a-vis reality. Some people were at 100,000 feet. Some people were only 10 feet off the ground. I thought I was pretty close to ground state. I thought I was pretty close to accepting things for what they were. I thought, I believed that I was over my disappointments. But what I learned on Mondays, that's not true. That there's still levels of disappointment that I can be exposed to that kind of get to me as well, you know. So maybe that's where I'll leave it. Um, If I sound like I'm in a shitty mood, believe me, I, I think that'll get better as this thing heals. If... If this explanation doesn't make a lot of sense, I can't help you there. I'm, I'm taking whatever pain management pills they have. I'm pretty much out of them at this point, and I can't get a refill. I'd, I'd say at least understand if you're a listener, God bless you. I'm glad you listen. If you can afford to donate, you don't have to. Please make sure you're taking care of the stuff you need to take care of. If you're looking for someone to tell you that Everything's going to be magically like it was before. Nothing is ever like it was before. And is there going to be an event in your future, potentially, that will, that will either be literally or figuratively like slipping on the ice and breaking your arm? I don't know. But I think a lot of folks on some level are going to go through that in the next year. And they're going to say to themselves, how did that happen? How did I flip backwards and break my arm? And one of the potential answers is, shit happens. And one of the potential perspectives is, this is part of the cosmic story. And maybe we should remember what Mike Tyson said. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. 